Welcome to the Court to Corporate Podcast. I'm your host, Kirby Porter. On this show, we sit down with current and former athletes to discuss their personal playbooks and dive deeper into how it has translated into success and lessons outside the game and in the business world. You can find this podcast on your favorite streaming platform or at courttocorporate.com. Court to Corporate is all about amplifying the journey of athletes in corporate America and showcasing how your athletic influence can serve to build your path. Stay up to date with more content and perspectives across all of our social platforms. These will be linked in the show notes or they can be found on our website. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode. Today on the line, we have Ben Hazel, um, Princeton basketball graduate, now founder of Zenith Solutions. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. You know, go Tigers. (laughs) All right. All right. So just because of that, I don't even want to start. (laughs) You went there already. So I'm going to take a step back. I want to start with DMV. So obviously you grew up in Maryland as well. Tell us about, you know, your upbringing and kind of what you went through in your recruiting process. Oh, wow. Um, so uh, going all the way back there, um, the DMV uh, and just playing basketball. I'm from PG County originally. Um, I went to Good Council High School um, and just was able to, you know, really play in an area where basketball was a uh, – it's a hot bit for basketball, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so playing against and playing with, you know, a lot of NBA guys now and, you know, playing on a pretty national schedule, you kind of uh, really had to work hard to even play at that level. Uh, so I think that was kind of one thing that really helped me. But my recruiting process was, um, I would say, definitely a lot more rocky than most. Um, you know, really just navigating that process. It was it was fun. It was hard. It was a lot. So um really just kind of one thing that really just stuck out in my mind in my process was playing with guys that were going to duke and you know playing over going to all these high major schools being a mid-major guy was you know i really just wanted to pick the option that gave me the best chance to one you know play in the ncaa tournament uh play at the highest level i could but then also just get a good education at the same time uh, kind of laying that out when the decision came about you know, Princeton was, to my surprise, still on the table. Um, and then, you know, that really, that filled all the, checked all the boxes for me. And, you know, ended up choosing to go there. And it was a, a decision that, you know, I think was a, a great one for me and would, wouldn't change it a bit. Of course. I think it's an emphasis. Excuse me. I think it's an infamous debate about which state is the hotbed for hoops. Obviously, I'm biased mm. right here with you. It's, I think it's. I mean, it's not one state, obviously, but I think it's the DMV. Like, there's just so much talent coming out of there. So, oh, we'll, I mean, we'll from my, my thoughts, teams alone, from from my teams alone in our conference. Um, I mean, we had three first round picks, lottery picks, all stars, all in one class, wow. and they we all played on. Class? They all played on different teams. Um, so it was Jerry and Grant and Victor Aladipa. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at DeMatha, then Kendall Marshall was at O'Connell. Um, and then, of course, you know, the other teams having, you know, even at DeMatha was Quinn Cook, who plays with the Lakers. Um, there's a Marcus Thornton, who's one of the all-time leading scorers in William & Mary history, was at McNamara at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Thornton, who was going to Duke, was at 
uh, Gonzaga, another team in the league. And we all played together over the summer, which allowed us to be one of the best, kind of the best AAU teams in the country. And then we played on different teams during the year. And it was, it was, uh, it was intense. <laughs> Good no, I'm sure. I mean, facts are facts, like just from the names you just mentioned. So um, take us through your four years at Princeton. I already know you're going to bring up the buzzer beater um, as you get the email. <laughs> but, <You know. laughs> of course. Um, but tell us about like that experience being a Princeton student athlete um, and, and just what that was like generally. Yeah, so it was an, an amazing experience. Um, and I think why it was amazing is a little bit different than kind of your standard athlete. Um, the main thing being, uh, when you're talking about education and, and the basketball aspect at Princeton, they are completely separate, mm. which is something that you typically don't see in a lot of places where they're typically intertwined. You have guys playing national schedules all around the country, things like that. Their schools, their schooling is adjusted around their schedule, which is, perfectly fine. Whereas for us, it was, you, you had to be the middleman in between both and had to be responsible for navigating both. And they don't interact much, which is something that made it extremely challenging, of course, because on the basketball end, you're still trying to get a grasp of that. And then on the schooling end, they're just, they don't really aren't necessarily bending or changing anything for the fact that you are an athlete. So you have to kind of figure out a way to navigate that at the same time. And you're being challenged at an extremely high level on both ends. So at some points it definitely feels pretty overwhelming and extremely hard, but now kind of with the experiences and the obstacles that I personally faced or just people face in general going through the process, you know, you kind of come out a lot more, I would say you kind of have a chip on your shoulder to say that there's not a lot of things that can be thrown at me that I can't handle. Right, right. Um, because nothing was ever really changed for me because of that. And I was able to make it work and I was able to have a good time doing it. Of course, the people that you meet and all that type of stuff uh, are the bonds that you make become that much more exaggerated when you're kind of both going through things. But it was uh, something that, you know, I hold a lot of value to, to who I am today and kind of the values that I have in the way that I approach obstacles and things was definitely shaped during my time there. And it was something that, you know, kind of hindsight being 2020s, with some of the things, some of them were great, of course, winning the net, winning the Ivy League championship, beating Harvard, you know, <laughs> with 2.5 seconds dust, with, you know, one of my good friends to this day, Douglas Davis, hitting a game winner at the buzzer, one of the best shots of the decade, you know, <laughs> on and on. <clears throat> Just Those like it was great yesterday. Experiences. <laughs> Those great experiences, moments you'll yeah. never forget. Right. But definitely something that, you know, even the ups and the downs as a whole were something that were just challenges that, you know, you find a way to work around. And it's something that I hold a lot of value to today. No, I think you really summed it up perfectly just on that ownership of, of making it work, um, especially at a school where there's not as much leniency on either end. Um <laughs> There's there's a lot of skill sets that come with that that um, you know <laughs> yeah. you, you will value to the end. So I hear you on that. So I would love to hear the story. I saw it in your press release. So freshman year, you and uh -huh. your co-founder, two athletes, two roommates. You guys have some ideas that obviously lead to what Zeta Solutions is today and, and what we will get to. But mm -hmm. put us in your shoes. Take us back to your freshman year and these conversations that um, you uh, guys were having. Well, really, it was 
so kind of going back again a, a pretty long time ago, I guess my birthday was recently, so I'm feeling old. Um, but <laughs> but kind of going back to that time, now Jason, my partner, Jason Ray, um, he plays football. Uh, and Princeton doesn't normally offer summer school, but for in, a select few of incoming freshmen, they allowed to come in and take two classes before their freshman year starts. So we were a part of that. So he was actually one of the first people I met on campus in general. Mm. Um, and pretty much just one of the things that, you know, I kind of, with the whole experience and talking about these obstacles things, it was really just a learning curve of, you know, kind of understanding how people think, navigate, work around things. And I think one thing that Jason kind of just always provided was just a different way of thinking on really just how to help people. Mm. Um, and that was kind of my first introduction to that way of thinking was, you know, you don't necessarily, helping people isn't just handing somebody some money or donating to, a, to an organization or anything like that. There's a lot of other ways that you can do so. Uh, and then also making money at the same time. Mm. Uh, but kind of talking about how those two go hand in hand, but really that kind of developed over time. But that was an introduction that I kind of really took away from our initial conversation, especially being freshmen um, going into that year. And it was just really a kind of a more of a thought process thing than it was really talking about the actual problems that we faced with Zenith. But Jason was a, been a great friend of mine. I was in his wedding as well. Um, <laughs> so really just somebody that he's somebody that I've looked at and he's kind of been one that, we've kind of bounced back and forth on navigating this stuff of, you know, internships and just really what we wanted to learn. And I think that was the number one thing that we talked a lot about, especially that freshman year, was really just figuring out what we want to learn more about. So, and finance was just kind of one of the bigger things that we kind of had on our mind. We didn't necessarily even major in it during school, but mm -hmm. it was something that we always could kept a kind of high interest in and then eventually kind of worked there and then, you know, one thing led to another, and now we're here with this this company. But um, I think the number one thing that we took away with those early conversations was just kind of different ways to help people, and then you know, really just how this world of money works. Yeah. So I guess for you personally, like, where did that interest come from? Like, was it from those conversations specifically, or? Did, did that develop, well, like, leading up to Princeton, too, that, that interest uh, for finance? So the interest for finance for me was something that resulted from my own just general experiences. Um, like, like I said, I went to Good Council High School, which was about 45 minutes away from, from my house in PG County. Um, and really just you come across a lot of different people. So I was one of the people that you could say, especially um, being in a, a, a very relatively urban space in the DC, Maryland area. So I'm really navigating, interacting with a lot of people of different social classes was probably mm. the main thing that I, that I noticed, I guess you could say. Um, so, you know, people with a lot of money, a lot of wealth and that people that don't necessarily have the same amount aren't poor you come across of course people that maybe might be you consider poor living in poverty, whatever the case may be but i was blessed enough to be able to interact with people across the whole spectrum um and i think the thing that i took away from it was was just really you know what's the difference between that person and you know and the next everybody time. else right so you know like 
and then I think the number one thing was like that kind of led to it even further was that I didn't necessarily view myself as you know a genius or anybody that was born with a special ability um so with going to Princeton and then of course kind of continuing that experience with exposure to different social classes again it was still just like hey you know i never really saw myself as an Ivy League guy, but I'm here now, you know, I, I don't <laughs> necessarily think I was born with any special ability. So clearly other people could do it. Like I'm not a natural born genius that just came out with a calculator. So right. it clearly other, other regular people can do these same things, but what is still the difference between the, the people that we look at and hold as extremely successful and the people that kind of fill in the rest of the spectrum? Right. No, that's super interesting. I just wanted that context because I think it's cool to think about as we walk through your journey, the types of internships that both you and Jason had and ultimately like what the foundation of Zenith Solutions is and how you can just hear that come across and, and what influenced you and impacted you and made you think that this space was interesting. So with that said, kind of talk us through like how on campus outside the game, like what were your first steps in like learning more about that you talked about this learning process this was both something that you guys wanted to pursue so like what were your first steps there so i think the thing was within college was that we we're still kind of learning how we want to go about it because the one thing that we basically came to the conclusion was that money is going to be involved in what you're doing regardless of what you are actually doing mm -hmm. so you know, that is just a, a simple fact. So that's kind of why that interest always laid behind our, laid in our head. So my friend Jason actually interned. Um, I know he interned one year at the, or my partner interned at Lincoln Financial um, in the marketing department in Philadelphia. Um, he was actually kind of a person that helped me end up working there. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. But during my time, I think the number one thing was, was that I just wanted to try different things because with an internship, people, I think with college get really tied into your major. Mm -hmm. And luckily for me going to a liberal arts institution, arguably one of the best in the world, especially a little bit better than that school in Boston. But <laughs> the main thing is that we didn't have anything that was specific enough that you could even try to say that you're tied to do a specific job. Right. It was more that you're learning a way of thinking. Right. So I never crossed any job or internship off. Also because my friends weren't doing it either. They're like, I'll work anywhere. And they end up doing great things in random industries. And you're like, I didn't even know that you even knew anything about that. But you see them having that success. And then you really also kind of learn that, hey, my major isn't, it isn't as binding as people make it seem. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to just try and do, you know, different things, something that was a little bit out of the comfort zone. If you're talking about something that was one thing that I wanted was that I wanted to be paid. That was for sure. <laughs> um, but then also wanted it to be something that, you know, I can go into it and really learn something like, Hey, I'm getting exposed to something that is completely new to me. So I, during my two years, um, or my, during my years in college, I did two internships, really. Um, well, one wasn't necessarily an internship. I was actually working with a company, a startup, um, and we were in a incubator at Princeton, which is 
face-to-face do they introduce you to other entrepreneurs and have classes with alums and things like that to really just grow your business, which was probably one of the best experiences that I had. And then the next summer I ended up working and interning with the Baltimore Ravens in the sales desk, which was a completely different experience. Um, I was actually got to meet the, the president, Dick Cash, who's a great guy. Um, and then one thing that I really took away from that was, so I was talking to him in his office and asked, you know, really just how you got to that position. And then he said, hey, I was a lawyer. And I was like, huh, so you mean to tell me that these executives of most of these companies don't even work in the industry? So you always hear the stories from these companies about, hey, this guy started at this level, and then he climbed the chart all the way to the CEO level. Right. That's not typically how the story goes if you actually look at it. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's, no, so then I really, learned, I really learned that it's more about the skills you develop over the industry that you're in. That is a mic drop statement. <laughs> that is so real. That, that just became something that became a big focus of mine, especially in yeah. my time in college. And then that's what led me to working in finance because, I mean, people always say they want to work in it, and I was one of those people. But then somebody goes, hey, what do you, where do you want to work? And I'm like, huh, that's a great question. Like, I don't know. There's a million different jobs in every industry, and it's, I just – Luckily, talking with my partner, Jason, he was able to add, you know, Lincoln Financial to my interview list. And again, they at least at the time offered something uh, as far as the skill development side and I can learn some things. Um, So then, you know, that kind of was my first official step into the finance world. That's awesome. And I do have to ask, what did you study? Sociology. I knew it. I knew it. Yes. <laughs> I studied sociology too. So I'm always great like a major. sociology guy. I had a great it's, time. It's amazing. It's so much fun. <laughs> like I literally had the same thought process. I'm like, I'm looking at the options here. I don't see anything that is that tactical or applicable <laughs> to the point yeah. where I want to do something that I'm not passionate about. <laughs> like, exactly. Gonna... That I was the exact same way. Yo, and, like, and I'm for just going to do what the I number want. one thing was that the for me as a freshman, I came in and, you know, you always had that. They always say like, hey, you have a thesis that you have mm-hmm. to write at, to graduate for us. And I was just like, I haven't written a 10-page paper before coming out of high school. So, like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I have to pick something that I at least already can relate to and had some a little bit more to touch upon to even give me, a, you know, somewhat of a, a good something to start with. Uh, to write this thing, because in a few years, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I, uh, <laughs> I love the, uh, I love the major. Um, I had a great time, and as much as I try to reject it, it definitely um, has had an effect on how I view the world. That's for sure. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I'll, I'll hold the rest of my comments because there's <laughs> much more to talk about in your journey. <laughs> so, with that said, let's talk about um, kind of building that foundation to entrepreneurship, but like through your work experience, right? So Mm -hmm. that was really insightful what you just mentioned. And like you wanted to, or you realized early on, like even an internship stage and like seeing the people at the top that it was about the skill sets that you developed. 
Um, but my first question is like you, you and Jason had this first conversation going into your freshman year and it was really just about like the thought process of, mm-hmm. of the finance industry and helping others through that. Were you guys revisiting this throughout your four years? Like what were the, the conversations from freshman to senior year between you guys, um, about this idea and making it something more concrete or did that not come? Well, until later? I think it didn't really come specifically until later. Uh, of course, because we're still navigating the, hey, we want an internship, and hey, we want to do this, and hey, we want to do that. Um, but I think the number one thing that kind of persisted was, again, still having a, a – we constantly had the conversation of, like, hey, this is cool because I did this and I learned this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we always, I think, definitely recognized that we wanted to come back to the, come back to the startup world. So I was in it for a little bit. Um, and then while I was in school, the last few years, I decided to continue to just kind of build outside of it, even though I loved everything about it, it was still functioning. It was a great, great time, great experience, everything. Um, but again, it was just more about learning and getting exposure to different skill sets throughout the work, throughout the time with the idea, but no plan on when we were going to actually come back to it, Mm, (laughs) um, to the startup world. So then kind of as we got some more real life work experience, we kind of got a little bit more of a defined and more inside scope on the, the issue or really the question that we saw in, especially in my own experience that I talked about a little bit before, just what was the difference, right. you know, what shapes the spectrum and why it stays that way. And then basically why it keeps growing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then kind of with the experiences that we had, we wanted to learn like why you can basically see what the answer is. Like, I don't know why it just, I want to see what's really going on out here yeah. and how this money's flowing. And then as we kind of saw it, we saw definitely some, the practice of the whole thing, kind of how these companies grab their clientele who they're targeting all these different things. Got to see the, the actual inner workings of the practices that people use. And then, you know, saw some ways to do things in a professional way. Definitely got a lot of exposure to that. How to, you know, really do this and set up a business in a very viable and structured way. But then also saw some kind of holes in what they were doing and kind of how the things were being implemented. And then just really kind of saying, hey, you know, there's some things that we think, you know, people can really benefit from to kind of start to answer and change that why. Um, and really start to kind of close that gap. That's super interesting. Did you, so like your senior year, and uh, remind me, where did you start immediately after your senior year? I know you were also at J.P. Morgan, but what, mm-hmm. was your, what was your first job out? So my first job was at Lincoln Financial on the sales desk, the inbound sales desk, um, on the annuity sales side. So, and the funny thing is, is that you know, I, as much as many people ask, like, hey, you know, we're here now. I had no clue really much about annuities. I just wanted to get in the door of the finance world and start to understand how this big machine works. And then I got a lens, learned a lot, and then realized I needed to get a little more exposure to uh, something else, um, something a little more involved. And then that's what led me to um, – working on the desk at Mainstay Investments, which was owned by New York Life. Mm -hmm. Worked there, um, got an even broader exposure, um, and then was eventually able to to make the jump up to J.P. Morgan. 
which um, is kind of funny coming full circle considering, you know, I definitely had applied there at the same time that I applied to New York Life Mainset mm-hmm. and they rejected it. <laughs> they rejected it. And then a year and a half later, I was working there. So it's kind of funny how it comes off full circle. <laughs> no, and you actually literally just answered my question. I was going to ask, like, how did you know um, how to navigate, like, what skill sets were necessary or what experience that you needed to gain next? Um, but it sounds like you had a good good grasp on that, like, role by role. So it's super cool. Yeah. Each role kind of leveraged itself into understanding kind of what I needed to do next to kind of take the next step in my own career. And then I think once you kind of you work at a place, you kind of get an idea on that. You basically can evaluate whether your best opportunity to get there is with the company or if it's elsewhere. A hundred percent. So with with that said, like what what's going through um, your mind and Jason's mind Throughout, throughout these years, like how did you know and it was time to go back to that calling, to go back to that mission and take that leap of faith? Um, well, so I think uh, there were a few things, um, but we had talked about it, but Jason made the leap first. I will give him credit. Um, <laughs> he made the leap first. He, he dove in and uh, we had been talking back and forth about it. And then you kind of are always, it was one of those things that we had been talking back and forth for so long that you kind of feel like, you know, it's either put up or shut up at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And that you're always, you're always in the feeling of like, but like if I could save a little bit more or if I can do this, I can be more comfortable at making this jump. Um, but, you know, it kind of got to a point and that point is different for every, for the people that are, um, kind of, I guess you could say built for this, <laughs> um, not no knock on anybody else, but, um, really just that point just kind of comes and then, you know, you kind of just weigh the options and, and really just kind of set your plan. And then you really just take the dive, you know, just, it's almost like the dive was forced out of being set up. <laughs> I right. think it's the, the main thing with kind of just the problems you're seeing and just the real life experiences that you have. You're like, Hey man, you know, this is, this is something that people can really benefit from, you know, we think we should definitely give it a try. Like this is something that is, is worth it. So to to go back to that point that you mentioned before, as you're navigating the first roles that you had out of undergrad and in the corporate setting, um, you said, or I'm paraphrasing, but like you were like, basically you will know with each experience when it's time to either a pursue that through your company or B find another route to do so. Um, and talking about weighing the pros and cons for you. So with your journey, like, can you share a little bit more detail behind, like, what was the decision-making going on between, like, hey, I can continue at J.P. Morgan, or now I can take take this next step? Well, with us, with our, with our business, we actually, we wouldn't have been able to do it at, because we would be, just compliance wouldn't allow us to kind of launch a business in our nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, kind of, I don't know if the followers, I, I kind of realized, I don't know if I actually gave like a, a, a overview for what we even do, but, um, basically Zenit Solutions is just a, it's a wealth management and financial planning platform uh, for individuals and small businesses. And we're specifically tailored towards, uh, changing and reversing this growing wealth gap, uh, especially across racial and age-based lines, just because that continues to grow. 
Um, and that's just what our experience has shown that we can show a lot of value. And then the data did support that. Um, and we're looking to do it through a, a few various ways, but um, really just what kind of led us uh, as far as weighing the pro or led me as far as weighing the pros and cons. Um, I think the one thing that you kind of come to grips with is that there's never, you can always come up with enough cons when, you know, trying to take the leap. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't have the option to do both, which some people definitely do do. Um, but the, even the job at J.P. Morgan was demanding enough where, you know, I wouldn't have been able to dedicate the time necessary to put out the product that we would have been satisfied with um, over the time period that we set for ourselves. So really, you just got to wait, just really try to put as much of your ideas on paper, just kind of situations, anything that comes to mind, like, hey, what happens if, you know, my something crazy could happen, whatever the case may be, still, those are all things that are going to cross your mind. Um, Mm -hmm. But then you just really look at, and I think the number one thing that uh, if we're talking about from ourselves was really just we just kind of saw and continued to experience and see things that we felt like, you know, people could benefit from. I yeah. mean, that, that's really just as simple as that. It, it's really just as we continue on and you kind of feel like nothing is coming up to even address the issue that you think you can address, that's, you know, that's, that's what kind of drove us to basically saying, you know, hey, man, we got to make the leap. Um, and that's just kind of what happened. Yeah. So now, as you just mentioned, to get into what you guys actually do as a financial management firm tailored towards minorities. So what were, mm-hmm. what were the first steps that you guys took to build that? Like, what are the, what's the foundation of, of your business and what you guys um, help individuals with? So the, the first thing as far as what we did, so we had quit our jobs a few months prior to launching, going live and taking on accounts. Um, so the first thing that we did was really just iron out, um, how we wanted to add value to people's lives. Um, and really just the type of experience that we wanted people to have when working with us. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then really just kind of talk about who are the target people that we wanted to work with. And then that's where you kind of got a little bit more specific, but I I think we definitely throw in and we definitely think we are most beneficial to uh, people, uh, people that are younger and then people that are uh, the minority, (laughs) um, basically, as far as on the race line, Uh, just because we think what we structured can be extremely valuable to the lives of those specific people. Um, but I think when you talk about how we structured the company, that is those people or the, the race and age based demographics that we're tailoring this towards actually doesn't even really necessarily kind of come up. Um, Mm -hmm. because I think the number one thing for us is our focus wholly before you bring any of that into the picture is adding value. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that was the number one concern. And I think, I think that's typically a misconception that a lot of people that I just kind of heard, even especially people, you know, congratulating you for making the jump. Yeah. Um, saying, Hey, you know, congrats on being your own boss. And you're like, yeah, that's great. You know, being your own boss doesn't like make you want to quit your job though. <laughs> like, you know, I'm, 
Yeah, you have to, that's a big change just to like be your own boss. Like that's great, you know, right. being your own boss. I get to tell myself what to do, but now I have to work all day. So right. is that what I wanted to do? Like, oh my God, I want to quit my job so I could do more work. Whoa. <laughs> so right. I think that's just a misconception that a lot of people have of just the final product that they see. You know, hey, you quit your job and you're making this leap. And I think the number one thing for us, I'm like, hey man, don't congratulate me yet. Our, we have to put together something that adds value to people's lives that they actually like. Like that, that's how you get rewarded financially if you're a startup. And I think most people go into it with it backwards. Like, Hey, I'm trying to get rich. How do I put something together to get rich? Whereas the most successful and the biggest companies in the world are, Hey, how do I add value to people's lives? And now how do I add more value to more people's lives than everybody else? And then that's how I get rich because people pay for things that make their lives easy. Exactly. So how, like, first of all, like how'd you guys get your first clients and and how do you how do you work with them on your day to day? Yeah, so really kind of talking about our, our first clients, you know, our most valued clients, which we were even more surprised kind of looking back into it um, because they weren't people that were in our initial direct network. Oh, um, they were people that were one step outside of our network. I would, uh, and, and that has actually been something that we actually saw a lot of finance institutions doing already. The big ones, they already do that. They are that one degree of separation and they really leverage that and they kind of use that as a, a thank you type of thing, which we saw was actually one, another aspect of what kind of our communities were missing specifically. Um, was that, you know, we all, we just kind of felt like, hey, you know, especially, again, having experience across all spectrums, you see really successful people or people doing a lot of great things across all spectrums. And then you say, hey, we go out all the time. We go to brunch, like we talked about a little bit before. Yep. <laughs> hey, you know, I was hanging out with this group. I was hanging out with that group. But if I actually knew what my friends and the people that I hang out with were actually doing, not even from a like, hey, I want something from you. I actually might be the one person in between you getting connected with you guys turning yourselves into, you know, you know, there might be the connection that leads you to be the most successful business in the world, mm-hmm. or it might be the, the lead to you getting the next big job that you want. And it's something that can easily add to your network that you might not even leverage. Now you can leverage later, but we all know that most people will probably get along because we all hang out. <laughs> so. Right. Uh, we just kind of saw that as something that was actually kind of in it, not inadvertently, but more of just kind of behind the scenes that happened a lot at these big institutions where we work, which was something that we thought was pretty smart and just kind of natural for them that we thought that we didn't necessarily do, especially as a younger demographic. And as we're growing, we thought that was something that we could really help people with as well. But I think really it, it just kind of goes to, we just, really we're trying to help people understand their access um, and just different things that they could take advantage of. Um, and really, if you're talking about their experience, we typically are willing to connect with anybody as much as they want. We would pretty much look to connect at least once a month um, to, to just to discuss your, your plan, how it's going, making sure we're checking in on it, making sure it's doing exe- everything that you expected, um, different things that might be coming up in the market, you know, different things you might be interested in that you want to know a little bit more about. Um, so we definitely look to be even more accessible than your, your bigger firms. And then especially now with having a, a small client base right now um, of about 15 coming up on 20 clients, I think, you know, it's, um, 
it's actually a great experience. I mean, because everybody that comes into it with this is definitely within the same mission of, you know, really wanting to get, be more financially stable and actually start to build some wealth. Um, so they kind of have that understanding themselves coming into it. And we just look to be a, a catalyst or a spark um, for setting up the foundation to really just kind of catapult you. Then, of course, you know, we would start, you could start talking about your family, their kids, start building the wealth that, you know, can, can transfer down and, and really kind of change people's lives. I mean, ideally for us over generations. Yeah. So I want to actually like read the title of the press release for our listeners um, that don't have it in front of them, although like I will link it or, or post it or something. So two former athletes and Princeton grads use unique financial solutions to increase net worth amongst minorities and young professionals. So um, obviously the this athlete thing, what we're here talking about today, it is important because A, you're on this podcast and B, it's front and center <laughs> on, on the press release. So talk to our listeners about that. Like former football player, former basketball player called out front and center on kind of announcing this new venture um, and business for you guys. But um talk to us about like what what does this actually look like what has it meant to you um and what like what's that journey of student athlete to now entrepreneur uh it's uh if you would have asked me in 2010 graduating if i thought that i would be doing anything like it i would probably i would probably leave because i would think you're on something (laughs) Um, so it's, it's, uh, been, but basically really all jokes aside, it's been, um, extremely humbling. Mm -hmm. Um, the process it's nerve wracking, uh, because you know, you're with your goal being to help people out, um, and dealing with their money. It's like a a thing that, you know, it's really, you want to make sure you come through no matter what. Um, so that is, it's nerve wracking, but nerve wracking in a good way. Just we're coming from a place of really hoping we can, you know, do what we're setting out. And I think we're doing a good job so far, but you know, this is again, something that we will only change over time as well. So keep adding this pressure and then over time, this should change. So we're, we're really excited about it. Um, nerve wracking, but, um, you know, we're, we're in it to win it for sure. So, you know, it feels like a game as far as the nerves, but it's just one that just never goes away. (laughs) Yeah. So I guess in, in your role from even, I mean, even between like the past experiences that you've had, um, and what your job looks like on a day to day, like what, what do you see coming through, um, based on the foundation that you built, um, either as a leader on the court or even the types of work experiences that you've had, like, what do you feel like you're applying the most now that it's a different setting in entrepreneurship, um, but you're doing some kind of the same things? Well, I, that's a great question. Um, I would say probably the main foundation of a lot of the, the things that I rely on, or you could say even the discipline, um, all started with sports. Um, which I don't even think necessarily people realize because uh, from the what we what we kind of see when you're working is you know you kind of have an approach and an attitude that is way different than a lot of people. It's just that not a lot of athletes uh, make this kind of leap or even they have a lot of trouble making the leap from sports 
uh, because they are it's out of their comfort zone. Whereas you can almost say you are way further ahead because of the things that drive companies uh, in especially successful startups is something that you're very well versed in in making yourself. If you were to say your own personal body and self and the levels that you're able to reach as an athlete was all driven by you, similar to a startup. So you have to have the the work ethic and the drive and the self-discipline to be able to hold yourself accountable in certain things, um, which I think is something that is really ingrained into your head, especially by, you know, your coaches, you know, come late, you got to run, things like that, <laughs> getting up early and getting after it. Uh, but then I think also the preparation, uh, I think getting used to preparing for things is a huge leg up that, you know, I think is an adjustment for, you know, other people. Uh, really just knowing, you know, knowing how to prepare and knowing yourself and the things that you have to do to be able to put out the result that you want, similar to a game. Um, you know the types of shots, you know the feel that you need to have going into a game to be able to give yourself the opportunity to perform the best that you can. So it's the exact same with your company. You know, you would always say, hey, I have a vision for how this product should look and this company should be structured. And these are the results that we want people to have. I, and now let's start to dig through basically the drills that we got to put ourselves through to be able to put this product out for people to kind of also do the same. Um, and, and I think those skills were pretty much, you don't really notice it, but kind of looking back at it now um, were things that were drilled into your head, especially through sports. Couldn't have said it better. Um, so before our last segment with our court to corporate checkdown, I do have to ask, mm-hmm. um, what, so what's next for Zenith Solutions? I don't even think we mentioned this, but like you guys literally started this or the press release came out in September of 2019. So mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. a, few, a few months ago. Right. Um, but yep. like, what's, yep. <laughs> you're like, yes, I know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It feels like years already. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but what's the goal? Like, where do you guys want to take this? at at the end of the day? I mean, for us, with the demographic and just kind of the structure, just fundamentally, we think we have the opportunity to, you know, put ourselves as one of, on the trajectory to be one of the larger financial institutions um, in the country. Mm -hmm. Uh, Really just kind of, but I think the main thing for us is continuing to grow and continuing to get our message out. Um, and really just hopefully, again, continue to get the message out so people can at least in turn use it for themselves, um, whether that be working directly with us or really just causing people to take a look at their own current situation because it's all specific to your own situation. Um, but, you know, really revisiting that stuff and just seeing if there are some small things that can just really make their lives better would be an ultimate goal. But, uh, I mean, I think our number one thing is really just continuing to spread the word and continuing to grow. Um, and you know, for us, that is, we think the sky's the limit. Of course. And actually, how can, how can people contact you guys? Um, you know, like what's, what's the best way to reach you? If someone's listening to this and they want to use Zenith Solutions, how can they find you? Yes. Yeah, so you can definitely, um, find us. We, you can check us out on our website at networkzenith.com. That's networkzenith.com. So I would say give that a look. You know, if there's something on there that you definitely, you know, like or want to have a conversation more about, there's a link right in it just to shoot us a little note and we'll definitely give you a call. 
Um, but if there's anything kind of offline, hey, you know, definitely shoot me an email. We want to be an open book and want to include as many people into our community and network um, as far as being that one degree of separation. So if you want to join that and, you know, really just have a, a general conversation, um, you can definitely shoot an email to me. I'll give you my lines open, it's, uh, it, and that is ben at networkzenith.com. Um, so, you know, either way, definitely, you know, don't be shy if this is uh, anything you want to have a further conversation on. But, you know, I definitely want to thank you for, for, for having having me on. Of course, of course. And you're not done yet. We have the check down. Well, all right, cool. Perfect. Check me down. Check me down. Check Let's me down. do it. So these are five quick hitting questions. We want your quick take on advice in and out the game. We're going to run down the list and just want to get to know you better for our audience. All right. So the first one, what is one thing to know about working in your industry or role? One thing to know about working in my industry or role um, is, I would say value add, adding Mm. value with everything that you're doing. Love it. All right. Pick two role models, one on the court and one off the court. One on the court. Uh, I mean, my favorite player is Kevin Durant. Shout out to the DMV. Um, but I would say, I would say, I say this all the time. My old teammate Ian Hummer, I always used to say he's my favorite player, even though we used to be rivals and I didn't really like him in high school. But then I come to got to know him a lot better, and now we're really good friends. And I always used to say he's my favorite player. So I say he's my favorite player. Um, he's playing overseas right now. <laughs> um, but and then my role model off the court. Uh, I guess you could say one that sticks with me a lot. Uh, you could say my grandfather. So my grandfather is uh, John Mackey. He played in the uh, the NFL Hall of Fame. Uh, or he's in the NFL Hall of Fame. He, went, he played for the Baltimore Colts of Johnny United. Um, and he was a big trendsetter on, and, on the field and off the field. So that's another person I would say is an off-the-court role model for me. Um, and then I guess you could say my dad, of course, always. Of course. All right. Career advice you wish you knew earlier in the game. Uh, some career advice I wish I knew is don't do everything you can, but don't be so worried about the, every job being the most perfect job, especially from internships in your first one or two jobs. Like it doesn't, you do so much to try to vet these companies and then you get so sad when you kind of get there and realize it's not perfect the way that you thought it would be. And then you kind of realize after going through that, you know, a few times you kind of realize like, Hey, you, it's really not that serious. So you still figure out a way to navigate it. You still figure out how to make it the best for you and whatever you need to do to kind of continue along with your career. As long as you keep continuing to grow the skills, that's the main focus. Love that. I feel like I already know the answer to this one. What was the best season in your <laughs> career and why? Actually, you're not allowed to say, not allowed to say okay, that damn I, shot. Uh, you, <laughs> Pick another you, season. Hey, you know, you know that. So how about this? That was my favorite. That was my favorite team okay. season. Um, and then, of course, like the tournament. Um, that was a great experience. Just kind of, and I, you kind of realized as my career went on, because my freshman year I came in and said, you know, hey, we would. And we won. We're about to win it every mm-hmm. year. We didn't win it again. So that that's why <laughs> that will always be the top. Um, but I guess you could say um, my junior year, especially especially begin my junior year, that was um, a lot probably one of one of the better times I had on a personal note. 
um, and had a, just a, a blast. We we played at um, some pretty cool places, Butler and, and Penn State and things like that. So I got to play in some pretty cool games after that was, uh, those were a, a lot of fun. Love it. All right, last one. Fill in the blank. My athlete is my advantage in my career because? Because of what it taught me and just who, because of who I am today. Let's say that. Perfect. Being a student athlete is because of who I am today. That is that is exactly it. why. I love it. Perfect way to end. All right. Thank you so much, Ben, for joining us. Love this conversation. Love learning more about Zena Solutions. Um, and looking forward to what you guys are going to do. Hey, definitely keep track. Um, we're definitely big fans of yours, Kirby, on a personal note. So keep keep pushing and keep doing your thing. But definitely thank you for having me. And, um, you know, we'll definitely be in touch in the future. And, you know, keep, keep, uh, keep doing good work. We really like what you're doing. Love it. Thank you so much, Ben. All right. Thanks for listening into this episode. In the meantime, we want to hear from you. Stay connected. Leave us a comment on Apple podcast, DM us or contact us on our website, whatever is easiest. We want to know your feedback and what questions you have. Otherwise, we'll be back soon with more athletes, more perspectives and more pro tips on the way.